Hey, we're back here on The Few, Ryan Curley. And Jackson Strickland. And uh, chaotic week of college football. Uh, pretty much what all the fans hope for, for the most part, unless you're a Georgia fan, but we won't talk about that just <clears> yet. Um, great weekend of college football, if we're taking a step back. And looking yeah, at I mean, as, un- as unbiased as we're supposed to be. Um, there were some great games played this week. Obviously, game day was a great game. Um as well as many others. Yeah. So, week seven lived up to the hype. We knew that there was going to be some great games on the schedule. Uh, we were looking forward to it a lot. Ended up not being exactly... Ended up being a terrible day. What we had hoped. In our and hearts, was, but, you know. As a college football fan, you know, it's a good day. Was, I didn't watch much, so, like, my knowledge is off of highlights and articles and, uh, you know, we'll explain why we didn't really watch much. But, um... Uh, Something, uh, we were, we're going to start with LSU versus Florida because game of the week, college game day game. Um, We've actually got it playing right here on ESPNU. Yeah, we're watching it back. Usually we put on SEC Network uh, while recording, and, and last week we realized right after that we forgot to turn on the TV. So this week we turned it on, and we got LSU Florida. Uh, Florida just went up 28-21 in the third quarter. So um, obviously the second half uh, of this game was like extremely exciting, and LSU pulled away, yeah. which is what we expected. I don't know what we expected. We we didn't talk about how the the entire game would come out, but we did expect LSU to pull away at some point. And they covered the spread. They did cover the spread. Or they pushed because certain websites had it at 14. Yeah. But the original 13.5 they covered. Um, yeah. Before we really de- dive deep into the uh, Florida-LSU game, I actually have, we have a little bit of a surprise for you guys. Um on Friday, this past Friday, I got the opportunity to tour the SEC Nation set, and that was really cool. I know I put it all over the Instagram story, if you follow our, the few podcasts on Instagram, and uh, like Marty Smith was there, Marcus Spears was there, and then Tim Tebow shows up, and he wasn't, and that, the tour had ended by that time, and I was just leaving, and I got the opportunity to asked Tim Tebow a couple questions I recorded for the podcast so uh, we'll give that to you in a second it was it was awesome um, I was surrounded by like AJC and like other official reporters who were recording uh, recording his interview for him so it was just awesome but uh, man I was like a giddy little kid for a couple hours after that and I know Jackson can tell you that you called yeah you called me on your way back over here and you were like guess what I just did <laughs> I was like no way that was the that was really big for me. Uh, hopefully, that's the first of many with uh, high-profile celebrities yeah. and athletes. Hopefully yeah, when I when I asked if you mentioned the feud to him, you were like, no, I just it, it didn't come to mind. I was just too excited. And I was like, oh, okay, well, just next time do it. But I did I did channel my inner reporter there for a few minutes and able to make it really professional and everything. But without further ado, here's my quick little interview with no other than Tim Tebow. You've played in Baton Rouge before, and this is Kyle Trask, his first true road start as an SEC. Yeah, it's different, man. Well, uh, what it's do you th- different. How do you think he's going to handle the LSU defense in that crowd at night? I think he'll, I think he'll be able to handle it well because um, he's got a lot of talent around him and that Dan is a really good play caller in those situations, understanding the situations. Um, and if you look at everything that Dan has put him in so far from when he came in against Kentucky, against Tennessee, Towson, and then last week against Auburn, um, 
the, the, the reads were manageable. Um, the plays were manageable. Everything was put in a position for him to succeed. I think Dan's done a really good job with that, and I think he'll continue to do that. Um, but I think I think that such a key in that game is is Kyle has you know three starts and, and a little bit of playing time in Kentucky. And he has five fumbles. Yeah. You put the ball on the ground against LSU. That place is going nuts. They have the momentum. There's no coming back from that. You lose momentum there. It's probably the toughest place to get it back. And I think that's going to be huge. Florida cannot afford to turn the football over, especially the the quarterback fumbles. One as well. Uh, going off of that, you know, with the not as dominant of a defense Alabama and LSU this year that they usually have, do you think that's a potential shootout with the offenses they have? Yeah, I think something we've never seen before. Well, I think the the difference in the game now it's it's so different than it was even ten years ago because of the no huddle of the fast tempo. There's so many more possessions in a game. So it's not always just that the offense is more dominant. It's also that the offense is getting a lot more chances. It also means the defenses are getting a lot more fatigued. And so it's just a little bit of a different game. Um, and, and and I think it will be more of a shootout than we've seen for Alabama LSU. And um, it's going to be really exciting. I mean, who's going to be able to be able to create those adjustments to get off the field and get you know stop third down conversions because. It, I think what's different too is if you look at them, I think Auburn has the best receiving core in the country right now. Um, just, it's it's unbelievable with Waddle and Ruggs and, um, uh, and it's just it's ridiculous. And then you look at their running backs, and they're probably going to have two or three guys go pro from. It's it's silly. And then LSU is getting up there too, and so I think I think I definitely think you're going to have a shootout where it's also going to be on the defensive coordinator, uh, coordinators to be able to make those adjustments to you know win it 35 28 to win it 37 30 and and be able to get those few adjustments and and make those key stops and yeah that was my interview with uh my quick little two and a half minutes with tim tebow um awesome opportunity uh he was very uh excited and passionate when he talked about football i loved it i could like feel it like physically feel how much he loved talking about football. It was really weird. Yeah, he's a genuine guy, yeah. just like all in all. Because I remember I went to a, a Christian conference a couple of years ago, and he was one of the speakers, and I was like down like the front row. So I was like less than 15 yards from him, um, not to mention his biceps. Guy's in shape. Oh, yeah, he's big. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's just – he's got a good heart and uh, knows what he's talking about too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very knowledgeable. Um, and you heard him talk about – how he thought Trask was going to be prepared um, by Dan Mullen for the task to play LSU. And honestly, he kind of was. I mean, they were winning 28-21 to in the second half, but he just lost to Joe Burrow and the LSU offense. I think Trask played really well in, in Baton Rouge. I predicted a blowout. Uh, what did you do? You remember what you predicted? I think I was around two scores. I don't know so, exactly. Yeah, so that's pretty. I'd have to go back and so listen. So you were pretty accurate, but was, I knew it'd be closer. Well, I was saying it'd be closer than you were. You were thinking more of a blowout. Yeah. Um, but I did think that like LSU is more of a complete team, which they definitely proved. Um, and like you said, Trask had three hundred ten yards, three touchdowns, and only one interception, um, which is. I mean, Burrow also had three touchdowns, zero interceptions. But that's um, that's Burrow. So. Yeah, exactly. And they're much different quarterbacks. Burrow has a lot more experience than Trask. Like we're, um, we got to remember that Trask didn't really start a game until a couple weeks ago, like ever, yeah. because he was behind. And this is Trask. 
first true road start in the SEC, and so, look yeah. at where they freaking put them. Yeah. Death Valley on a Saturday night. And they played well. I mean, Gators are 6-1. and one. They already have three SEC wins, and so um, they can afford this loss. If they um, somehow upset Georgia as well, or actually, I don't even know if it'll be an upset. I don't know how that game's going to look on the line in Vegas. But anyways, if Florida somehow beats Georgia, um, they go to Atlanta, do they not? If Florida beats Georgia... Yeah, they well. Also depends on what happens with Missouri. That's Missouri true, is still undefeated within the SEC, so I don't see that lasting too much longer with the teams they have to. I mean, yeah. I don't know. If right now it's open between the three teams. Um, but Georgia's not well. Technically, Georgia's like what, like fourth or fifth in the East now. Like they that. lost to South Carolina. South Carolina is ahead of them <clears> technically. But we'll we'll look get into that later. But um, what we were saying, um, Tebow knows who he's talking about. Trask was... I played a lot better than I thought he would. He, I think he impressed most everyone. Florida Florida in this loss impressed me. Just how well they played in Baton Rouge. Um, they were able to put up 28 points against an LSU defense that's not as good as they have been in the past, but still. The the venue, you know, Kirk Herbstreet talked about it. He's been all over the place, and he said the hardest place to play is Baton Rouge at night. Um he thinks that's probably the craziest environment. That and the Penn State whiteout, um, which we'll talk about more on the episode Thursday. Since, by the way, we are going to, for a week or two, the AC, what is it, the AC? For the next week or two, we're going to test out two episodes a week, just mentioning that. So be on the lookout Thursday afternoon and night for the second episode of the week. Um, that'll be interesting. We should have mentioned that earlier. But, um, yeah, so... But definitely impressed by Trask and obviously impressed by Joe Burrow um, and LSU and, you know, having three touchdowns, 21 and 24. Joe Burrow's the truth, man. I don't know what else to say about that. <laughs> I know you love the word, the truth. Um, yeah, he played amazing. Um, I don't know if we're going to get into We'll get into our players of the week later, but he is yeah, my offensive player of the week, week, which he's been both of ours at least once or twice each. Yeah. Um, just because of the way he's played, but he continues to impress. I think he passed Tua and Jalen in Heisman odds. So he now leads on ESPN Heisman yeah, yeah, odds. Yeah, I'd pick him. If I had to pick today, I'd, I'd give it to Joe Burrow. I would. Which is crazy. Um, and then, you you know, I asked Tebow also about, in the future, the Alabama-LSU matchup, which comes on November 9th. You know, I asked him what he thought about being a potential shootout, and he kind of agreed with with us saying you know that could be like a 35 28 or a 37 30 game and it'll be up to the defenses you know which defense can stop the other um and you know he was excited about how different it was going to be but uh each week I believe more and more in Joe Burrow being able to pull it off in Tuscaloosa November 9th taking uh upsetting Bama right but uh I mean look now LSU's number two in the nation they flew up the rankings uh the rankings changed a lot in the top ten. They moved around a lot, but um, with of course with Georgia's loss yeah. dropping down to ten. Yeah, I wasn't gonna be the one to say it, but I think we dropped a little bit. We dropped down to ten. <laughs> um, UJ dropped down to ten, and I was a little surprised. I thought they would have been nine and having LSU or having Notre Dame Notre Dame at ten, but they they put Notre Dame in front of Georgia. Well, if Notre Dame had a solid win, then sure, I 
give it to them, but um, because it was such a close game in Athens here, yeah, and we obviously didn't look like the same team, but they barely beat USC. Like I'm pretty sure USC had like a last minute touchdown or something to like. It was to thirty it, to twenty seven to make it a close game. So um, that one came down to the wire, but so I I agree with you. I don't think I think we should be nine, but yeah, when we lost and people started asking me like gosh, how is this going to affect us? So I was like, yeah, we're going to be between, like, 9 and 11, depending on how everything else goes. Um, so I'm fine with 10. We can redeem ourselves um, if we play uh, like we should be playing, which we'll get into that later. Um, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think it's a good transition to okay. talk about what happened with South Carolina, the South Carolina game. Um, it was a noon game. You so. told me you told me earlier that you're ready to talk about it now. I know I'm ready to had, calmly talk about we it. We both had a couple of days. Uh, we had to let it process. I wasn't gonna. I didn't want it to process Saturday. I was just trying to enjoy the rest of the day and not think about it when I was like hanging out with people and and trying to watch other football, which I uh, I watched some but not much and didn't really do much after that. But um, I'll just go ahead and break down the game, and then uh, we can both get into what we, our thoughts on it. So basically, it was closed the whole time. Uh, South Carolina actually led for the majority of it. I don't think we ever had a lead, did we? Um, I'd have to go back and look at that. I don't think UGA ever led in that game. Um, Fromm had three interceptions and a I'll, – I'll count it as a turnover on him, a fumbled snap. Yep. Um, under center, too, uncharacteristic. So four turnovers for Fromm. Um, I would say two out of the three interceptions were his fault. One of them was a drop by Tyler Simmons, a tip. And uh, the offense couldn't get anything going. Swift did end up with over 100 yards. But um, the South Carolina defense just was stifling. Um, you know, three That's four turnovers against a Georgia offense that's supposed to be really good. And, you know... The play calling was questionable to me. Um, I wasn't sure what I think James it was Coley was. Everybody, I don't. I think even people around me that didn't know football were like, "Wait a second, why are we still running it up the middle every first yeah, and second and down?" Also, DeAndre Swift isn't the guy you just run up the middle. He's known to be good out in space and on the outside. You know, if you are going to run it up the middle. We have, you know, Zeus is on that roster. That's the guy you run up the middle. And they did that for a drive or two, but running up the middle over and over again is not that effective. It was very unimaginative play calling. Very basic. Um, well, da- there needs to be more downfield throws. There needs to be more creative routes. Just the, the UJ offense just really disappointed. Yeah, and, like, it just got to the point where everyone saw it coming. It was like, oh, first down, like, they're not going to throw it. I don't know. It was just... The same exact play call. Yeah. And, you know, there's the joke going around that UGA doesn't know how to beat backup quarterbacks. And, obviously, you know, Ryan Holinsky went down in the first half with an injury. He was very impressive. Actually went 15 for 20 before he got injured. Uh, I think it was a knee injury. Well, the, the thing is, he got injured, and then he went back in, which I was very surprised at because I saw him go down. Oh, uh, he I think was this slapping is when you were, the ground. Yeah, yeah I was is, watching that. Yeah, and – um. At some point, like, you went to go get a, a sandwich, and um, I was watching. I was looking up, like, the backup quarterbacks uh, because Carolina had another a third and fourth string, if you count after Bentley and Helensky. 
and uh, they were getting ready on the sideline. One of them was throwing it around a little bit. One of them was, uh, like, running up and down the sideline, just warming up. Meanwhile, Helensky was in the tent, the injury tent, for a while, and then slowly walked over to the bike. It was just biking, like, so slowly on their, like, exercise bike, and then ends up going in for another series. Um, and then he got hit really badly, um, which is the one that, they gave us a penalty on, but um, I didn't look back through it, but I don't think it was – I don't think it should have been a penalty. I think it was just a a good hit, and it was an awkward tackle and um, wasn't necessarily dirty. I don't think they were trying to injure him. Um, but, you know, I can't speak for the players. I didn't get a great view on it. So um, hopefully it wasn't that way. Hopefully it was just an accident and unfortunate because he was already pretty injured. But at that point, he was out for the game, and, um, and that's when they sent in the backups. That, yeah, Joyner. And, yeah. you know, Joyner was good at moving the chains against that UGA defense. UGA's defense, man, I, I just thought they were going to be better than they, they were, but just better than they were. Uh, obviously, they only allowed one touchdown because one of the touchdowns was a pick six for right. South Carolina. But still, I was just surprised. I thought that UGA's defense would have been a little bit more stifling. But... No, it was it was South Carolina's defense that was that was really good. Now getting to my player of the week later because it's a I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm gonna have to look at his name, but uh, you know, with three interceptions. Well, I mean, if you want to look at the bright side, Georgia defense still hasn't allowed a rushing touchdown. No, that's so we're the only. They probably still allow the least amount of rushing yards per game. I think they did before. I wonder if they still do now. This is one forty-two. I mean, we. I'm pretty sure we beat them in, like, almost every stat except for total points. Yeah. Um, it was just a – I don't know. It was just very – like you said, unimaginative. I think that's a good word to describe the offensive play calling. Um, I watched Fromm's post-game interview, listened to it. He didn't really uh, dive too much into details, didn't talk about any specific plays. Um, it hurt that Kager wasn't in, Harrion wasn't in. Yeah, because Cajun um, went out in the first half. But we we had 14 more first downs. We had uh, over 170 more yards, uh, total yards, uh, which means more in passing, and we had more in rushing. Yeah, on paper, Georgia won the game. We had less penalty yards. We had five less penalties than they did for eight less total yards. And then we had four turnovers, and they didn't have a single one. No. Um, Our defense, you know, the defense needs to force more turnovers. But, uh, I mean, don't need to overreact. The season is not over for Georgia. There is still a scenario in which they get into the playoff, and basically that's winning out yeah. and winning the SEC championship. We've, we saw Auburn lose and we saw Florida lose, so that makes it um, a little bit less intimidating, in my opinion at least. Uh, Missouri and A&M both had more preseason hype than I give them credit for now. And so not necessarily – well. I guess I'm basically saying Georgia's schedule is easier than it looked three weeks ago or four weeks ago or preseason. Um, well, to me, I'm going to disagree with you on that because to me, preseason, uh, I wasn't worried about Georgia losing to a Florida or an Auburn um, or even Missouri, but Missouri looks really good. I know they lost to Wyoming week one, but Missouri... Oh, since then, they've looked Since a then, lot they've had a top three defense in the country. Right statistically and you know Kelly Bryant is a heck of a quarterback you know Missouri is not someone to just be 
you know, taken as a, a light opponent, you know. This is coming from you that, that told me a couple hours ago you want to just give your ticket away so you can watch LSU-Alabama if it happens at the same time. If it happens at the same time, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to go to that game. I just – I don't know if I can miss LSU-Alabama or I will have to guarantee that I can watch it on my phone. I don't know. But that's not uh, something I have to worry about until not yet. No. until the times are announced. Uh, hopefully it works out in my favor. Um, but like you were saying, winning out um, – I did a little bit of easy research. I I know I've seen the stat before a couple places, but um, national champion teams that had a regular season loss, um, it's happened before. Bama lost to Auburn in 2017. The year before that, Clemson lost to Pitt. year before that, Bama lost to Ole Miss. year before that, um, Ohio State lost to Virginia Tech. Um, really early in the season, that looked like that was an. Unranked, I remember that. I remember that. Uh, Pitt beating Clemson in 2016. That was also an unranked. Um, and in 2012, 2011, Alabama uh, lost to A&M and LSU. And so, like, like yes, this game looked ugly. Yes, if we keep playing like this, if if Fromm can turn over like this every time, like we're done. Um, I count us out. I don't count us beating Florida. Um, Maybe we can pull it out against Auburn, but if that's a night game and Jordan Hare, that's going to be a hard one uh, nonetheless. But if we play like this, then it's going to be impossible. So I'm not counting us completely out, but um, obviously there has to be changes. Like something has to evolve and look different than it did Saturday. Yeah. Um, Hopefully we don't have another noon game. I don't know if that has any factor. I think it did. I just don't like noon games in general. Um I think it definitely did factor in a little bit. Because we didn't get to enjoy any football before we were sad. You no. know? And I don't want to dwell on it too much. I no. want to kind of transition a little bit. But for sure, no, the season's not over. Right now, the team, the way it's played this season, do I think they're going to beat Florida? Not. Like, if I had to say right now, no, Florida's a better team than Georgia. Um, but move on. Let's let's evaluate how they play against Kentucky. Um they have an opportunity to bounce back. I'm surprised at how big of a favorite they are. Yeah, I definitely was too. That was um, one of the things what, I put down. It's more than 25 points, so I was a little bit surprised. Um, well, and then Florida playing at Carolina. Yes, Carolina just had a great upset, and Florida lost. Florida's only favored by six points against Carolina. Where is it? Is it in it's, Columbia? It's in Columbia, but still. Hmm. Um, that's... In extremely small compared to I Kentucky wonder, and Georgia. Being you know, 25. South Carolina's record doesn't really tell how good of a team they are, too. I think they're right. a better team than 3-3. Three and three. They're just, obviously, Alabama's one of the teams they played. Um, the loss to North Carolina, that was week one, right? Yeah. It was a week two. The loss to North Carolina, that's kind of, I feel like that was kind of fluky. I think if that played again, they would win. Um, and that was Jake Bentley, for the most part, right? Right. So, but, I mean, it's the team has completely changed throughout the season. Now on its third quarterback, um, I don't think they've said anything about Helensky. I haven't seen any news about him being able to play against. I don't think he's Florida going to. I don't think he will either. I think with that second, if I think if they, he would have taken him out when he was injured at first, yeah, maybe he'd be yeah, able to recover. Yeah, and then he got hit again. And then he got hit again, and I was like, I don't know. But um, obviously they didn't need him because you know he went down and they still ended up. Blown it out, but yeah. 
Not the not the end of the world for Georgia, but their playoff hopes did take a little bit of a hit because there was a scenario where they could lose the SEC championship and get in. Now they can't, and they have to make it. So that's tough. But moving on, uh, Oklahoma, Texas, 34-27. I don't think the score is really indicative of how of how much Oklahoma kind of beat Texas. I think that they beat them. Like if you watch the game and you like see the way it played out, they were they were a lot better than a seven point well, win. I think the headline should be Oklahoma has a defense. Yeah, they mm. they had a mm. like team tying record nine sacks. Yep, that's insane. It's uh that's a lot, and against Sam Ellinger, who's mobile. Yeah, who should be able to get away from that? Very good, and the leader of that defense, Kenneth Murray, the fast middle linebacker. He's all over the field. I know. One one or two of those sacks were. He he had a sack. Um, Who did anyone have two or more? Yeah, uh, a couple players. Neville Gallimore had four total tackles, uh, two being sacks. Um, So, congrats to Oklahoma's defense. If they keep playing like that, they're extremely dangerous. Um, And I already think they're going to make the playoff. I think they're going to be one of the four teams when it comes down to it. Right now, I do. After after this game, I. This is gonna. It's gonna get interesting down to the wire with the playoff because you there's put, you put them in preseason, didn't you? I did put them in preseason. I, and I put Washington. And you put Washington. <laughs> uh, uh, that fell I'm very. I feel very good about my preseason pick there. I I thought a lot about it. and I was like, you know, I think Jalen Hurts is gonna do really well and Heisman contender. We <laughs> we have to go back a little bit on saying just give the just give him the trophy because at that point I don't think we really understood how good Joe Burrow was gonna be or. You know, Tua was my preseason, and he's still up there. We'll see him against, um, against LSU, against Auburn, um, some like better teams. I think. I think the LSU Alabama game might not only determine a lot in the SEC; it might determine the Heisman Trophy winner. Think about that. I'm not. Su- I wouldn't be surprised. Like whoever comes out with that win and the better stat line. Well, that's like what I've always hated is the Heisman Trophy is given before the national championship because I think it should be a holistic season, and. Like, if you're, like, taking one game out of their career, especially when the Heisman winner is, like, a lot of times in that game, um, I don't know. I think, or at least a Heisman candidate a lot of times is in that game. But I think that um, that this is kind of that opportunity to have a national championship game between number one and number two. Um, if they're still one and two at that point. Which they I'm pretty sure be. LSU has to play Auburn before that, right? Yeah. Um, we'll see how that goes. Auburn's defense, I, well, I mean, Joe Burrow was up to the task against Florida's defense. But um, is that – where is that game going to be? Is that I'm Jordan sure. Harris or going to be Death Valley? I'm not – see. Something to note. That's not coming up this week, so we're going to have to worry about it too much. No. But Still um, something to look ahead at. And what um, what the date is? It's at LSU. Yeah, they got it easy. Oh, that's the twenty sixth. That's so already determined three thirty. Again, that's gonna be a game. Um, but yeah, Jalen Hurts up there, Heisman still. He had a pretty good stat line. Led the led the team. He had over hundred rushing yards. He had around three hundred passing yards. I think he had four total touchdowns. So. <laughs> I just Jackson I just whispered to Ryan. I said we can we can go to Auburn at LSU. It's a bye week. <laughs> It's a three thirty. We could drive be, home I have, to, I have to be in Cleveland in the morning. And get a private jet or something. Yeah. You can't make it there in enough time. 
we can try our best. Um. Okay, you're give, you're giving up. Well, I'll, I was I'll find t- someone else I was together. telling him earlier we should look at. Uh, I'll I'll ask Tim T. to go with. We me. should <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I was telling Jackson earlier. I was like, we should uh, start looking at plane tickets Friday for um, Happy Valley to Philadelphia, <laughs> so we can drive over to Happy Valley to the Penn State Whiteout. But uh, this is you know we'll get to it one day. Oh, that was both of our bucket list, and we've told you guys that before. Especially next year, it's I think it's a lot. Well, it's definitely a lot less likely that we get season tickets next year as sophomores, and so maybe uh, maybe we'll just hit some away games and spend a lot of money. Yeah, on especially our jobs. If, especially if we have jobs. But um, Well, I know my dad's listening to this, so I know. He <laughs> said I'm getting a job, so. <laughs> well, one of us will have a job. Maybe you can. <laughs> hey, whoa, I'm my, not paying for all Hey, my birthday's during uh, football season. <laughs> Anyways. Um, hey, Dad, the Final Four is in Atlanta this year. Stop. My birthday is right before the <laughs> Final Four. Just a little hint. Um. Anyways, Wisconsin. Wow. I mean, impressive. We we know what they're made of. We've we talked about them last week, um, with Jonathan Taylor being able to score on every opening drive. I don't think he did this time, um, but for five games, uh, five their first five games he scored on every opening drive, which is like a stat that I doubt has really been done um, ever. Yeah. Where's this game right here? <clears throat> but you know, and but they they won thirty eight to nothing in a game where Jonathan Taylor averaged three point one yards per carry. He didn't have some monster game, which shows that they don't need him to to just be an absolute freak to win. Like yes, he had two touchdowns, but but he had less than a hundred yards, and they were able to win thirty eight to nothing. And that defense has shut out opponents twenty one out of twenty four possible quarters. They've shut out opponents four out of their six games. They are the number one defense in the country. They are suffocating. And they play Ohio State in a couple weeks in Columbus. And right now, I'd say they have a very good chance to go in there and, and beat the Buckeyes. Because Justin Fields, that's going to be the challenge of his life when October 26th, when Wisconsin rolls in. What do you think? I think that it's going to be an insanely good game. Yeah. That offense, because... I mean, Justin Fields even took a little bit of dip in his stats um, against Michigan State. And, I mean, so did Jonathan Taylor. But I think that shows that, um, you know, versus a good defense, he's going to suffer a little bit more, which is pretty obvious. But when you. Versus an elite defense. Versus an elite defense. We don't know. Literally, like, what are they, number one or two in the country? Statistically, they're number one in the country, yeah. In most stats. Um, It's just ridiculous. And. You know, Cohen, you know, he's playing just well enough where he can be a game manager and hand the ball off. You know, he gets things done. But, man, Wisconsin, man, I'm just impressed. And that's just the the big the Big Ten could really just eat itself alive when it comes to Wisconsin, Penn State, and Ohio State. I think that's going to be very interesting. Does Wisconsin play Penn State this year? That's something I'm not aware of because they're, they're not in the same division. I'll check real quick. I got it. Uh, they do not. They don't. I wish they would so all three of them can play. At Ohio other. State, they host Iowa. At Nebraska, host Purdue. And then at Minnesota, who's still unranked. I mean, still undefeated as well. Um, They've got a tough schedule coming up, I think. I mean, you know, Ohio State, Iowa, 
Um, I don't think Minnesota will still be undefeated uh-huh. by November 30th, but um, if they somehow are, if they, like, progress that much during the season, I, I doubt it, like I said. But um, anyways, Wisconsin does have some good games coming up um, in the next three or four weeks um, to test them even more so than yeah. they have been so far. We Like, we can't forget they still had that dominant win over Michigan uh, a month ago, 35-14. And it was and, 35 nothing at one point in yeah. that game. Don't be fooled by the 14. Those were garbage time scores. But in one of the two games that they didn't shut out an opponent, and they could have if they really yeah, they went for it, they probably could have. Awesome. Awesome. And other Big Ten action, Penn State, you know, they kind of slipped past Iowa. Iowa. Uh, they get it done in Kinnick Stadium. I uh, thought it was going to be – I didn't think it was going to be that close. And I think you – you did you call Iowa for that game? I did pick Iowa. I thought they would have pulled it off at home. So, whatever, whatever. Yeah, I, I see you Penn, smiling I called Penn State, but I didn't think it was even going to be that close. So, congrats to Iowa for – It was, you know, late interception, late fumble. The Penn State defense won them that game towards the end, as it really usually happens in the Big 12 – or Big 10 – the defense wins the game. Um, not Big 12. Not the Big was, 12. It's the complete this, opposite. That was different this week with Oklahoma and nine sacks. Um, yeah. That was a very – And Oklahoma only scoring 34 points versus their normal, what, 50-ish? Yeah, 50-ish. But, uh, yeah. And then, of course, you know, Alabama and Clemson at the top took care of business. Uh, not really much to, too job, much to say. Good job, Clemson. Do you want to talk about Devontae Smith for a minute? Um, I was just applauding Clemson for oh. – Doing what they should have been doing all season and dominating, we can yeah and dominating. We can say that it was Trevor Lawrence's elbow or shoulder, whatever he was working through, that he's now a hundred percent. I know he didn't announce that injury until he was fully recovered from it, um, and I don't even know if he announced it first or if it was someone on like the Clemson coaching staff. Um, and sorry, we're watching the LSU game still, and Joe Burrow just jumped three or four times in the air out of anger because one of his offensive linemen had a false start. Um, that was a man on a mission. He was mad. Did you see See how mad he gets? Yeah, Watch this. Watch. He sees it happen. He cool goes, Joe Burrow lost his cool. <laughs> he goes, crap, come on. Anyways, so like I was saying, Trevor Lawrence was injured. Um, supposedly, I think he was. Um, we I talked about this with my friend DJ on his um, – his Instagram page on CFB Nut. If you want to follow him, uh, go back to his picture of Trevor Lawrence from a week and a half ago, and I think it got over three and a half thousand likes. Just be- and like his average is like around a thousand or something, but uh, it was like so controversial that people thought, like, oh, like after the fact of a close game, he's gonna say that he was injured. Anyways, so now congrats to Clemson. They had a pretty good game. Um, I hope their season continues to go like that and somehow they lose so that Georgia can get back in it. Um, but, yes, Devontae Smith, as you were saying. Yeah. Um, yes, it was, you know, classic little two players getting a little bit heated. Um, but the he Texas was the A&M one. player kind of pushed him. Yeah, first, yeah. So. But I'm all the, the guy who hits second is always the one that gets in trouble. Yeah, and that's how it is most of the time because, you know, it just happens that way. But, you know, that's a point – where you gotta, <laughs> you gotta be able to turn that heat down, especially when you're one of the best players in college football, and you don't like 
it's not like it was a close game they were losing. It's not like if one of Georgia players went up to uh, a Carolina player in second overtime and, and punched them. It's, you know, like, you're Alabama. You're going to take care of business. Like, just wear that pride and have a cool head about it. But anyway, so he was the one that got caught, got ejected. He has to sit out the first half. Um, they only host Tennessee this week. I don't think it's going to be. <clears throat> no, um, it's not going to be a problem. No, it won't be a problem at all. He'll That's still, a typical save and punishment, too. He Yeah, he, he might still have the first. He might still, like, lead in yards or lead in touchdown receptions. I don't think so. I don't know if two is going to play in the second half. He might not need to. I mean, like. He might not even go in the game. Like, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, the ge- he might just not play the whole game. Why would you throw him in we there? We might see him on the bench in slippers. Who knows? Yeah. What are the odds? What are the odds we see him in slippers on the side? He's not gonna wear slippers. <laughs> like maybe slides or, but I think they would make him wear sneakers, or tennis shoes or something like that. I think he's gonna have the same UGG slippers that I have. I think he's gonna be in uniform in the second half. But he's not gonna play. Trask. Nope. But uh, players of the week, we're gonna round it out with players of the week because we're changing it up. Two episodes this week, so this is a shorter one. And last thing we're going to talk about, and you already gave us your offense play of the week. We've already kind of yeah, talked to you about, about Joe Burrow. Talked about Joe Burrow a good bit. Yeah. Um. He just he he played insane. Almost three hundred yards, three touchdowns. When last week, um, last week Florida's defense had three interceptions. Yeah. Against uh, Bo Nix, which Jess is younger, inexperienced. It was at home for Florida, but. Nonetheless, we know Florida's defense. And then Joe Burrow this week, three incompletions. Yeah. Not three interceptions, three incompletions. Um, an insanely good game for him. Uh, he played amazing. So uh, congratulations to Joe for winning Offensive Player of the Week from Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my winner is C.D. Lamb, wide receiver for Oklahoma who is a baller, 10 catches, 172 yards, three touchdowns, um, top two receiver in the country. I put him second behind Jerry Judy. I, I think you do too. I don't know what your ranking is of the receivers. I'd, I'd have to look holistically because, yes, Judy is amazing, but, I mean, like, Devontae Smith had, what, five in a game the other week? Like, I don't care. I'm not – okay, <laughs> I don't care about that one game. You don't care about that one game. I'm talking about skill – you know, stats a little bit. Skill, stats, route running, uh, hands. It's Jerry Judy's. Jerry Judy's the truth, man. And so does C.D. Lamb. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, not much else to say. Defense, we have the same guy. Yeah, we both ended up with Israel. Mukuamu. Mukuamu from South Carolina. He had all um, three of the interceptions against Fromm. Ballhawk, for sure. Um. Some of those from's fault and the receiver's fault, but him being in those situations, that's still impressive. One of them was a touchdown return, yeah, and he had 11 tackles, six. so really good game for him. Yeah, and l- like we talked about a little bit earlier, from, um, he's never thrown three interceptions in a game. He's only thrown two interceptions in a game twice. That was at the national championship game against Bama, which we lost, and last year's LSU game, which we lost as well. We're now 0-5 after Saturday in career games when Fromm throws over 30 passes. Um, I don't necessarily know how to read that stat. I think part of that factors is the fact that they're losing. 
And so we and start so throwing, throwing more. more. That's a little bit of that. The other yeah. is, yeah, the running game usually works. Because he had, like, what, 51 attempts? That was, yeah, it was a it was a career high in completions and attempts. He had 20, 29 completions, I think. Or? I, well, yeah. That'll definitely be a career high. Yeah. So. Um, and then, you know, this is when throwing 30 or more. And then the two games where he threw 29 was the Rose Bowl double overtime win. <laughs> Extremely close. And then Notre Dame of 2017, a one-point win. Extremely yeah. close. So, I mean, he's pro-ready, maybe, but throw less. And uh, Everyone has bad games, and this might Yes, everyone has bad games, but that's showing that five bad games yeah. all have one similar stat. Um, that's already been talked about before. It's not something that we just figured out Saturday. No, um, just got added to. So, anyways... Um, Who's your special teams player of the week? My special teams player is Jalen Waddle. You know, talking mm-hmm. about Bama. Um, he returned four punts for 128 yards. That's averaging 32 yards per return. That's something that Georgia, I don't even, we didn't even return a punt. I think we probably fair caught everyone, which is better than, I mean, it's better for, like, player safety and everything. And South Carolina was playing really well. Uh, really good defense on those special teams. Like on Good those, coverage. Yeah, good coverage. Um, but the fact that one player can get 128 yards on four punt returns, um, he currently leads the nation in that average with, he's at 22.3 for the season, um, 12 returns for 265, which is insane. And I think he'll keep being the man for the job, um, for the rest of the season, just because of how dominant he is, uh, being able to not only handle that ball well without dropping it, but just finding that random route through uh through that yeah yeah, yeah. The punt. kind of the forgotten receiver <laughs> on that loaded on that loaded offense but right. uh all of them are NFL talents but definitely the forgotten one and obviously he has his special team skills mine is Blake Gillikin Gillikin I don't know if I pronounced it wrong Penn State's punter he punted seven times for 295 yards Five were inside the 20, three of those were inside the 10, so doing his job, hit a 62-yarder, which is pretty long for a college punter, and obviously special teams matters in a very close road game against Iowa, a very tough place to play at night. Um, I know they got the hospital way before the game or anything, just a, just a tough atmosphere, but Penn State got it done through defense and special teams, and that kind of rounds out our player of the week, and this episode, really, so we're going to... Record Thursday again um, with an outlook on week eight, um, kind of our predictions and talk about just all the games. Um, it'll be around this time length that we're not really for sure, but we're going to test this out for a couple weeks. And I know we put the poll up and the majority said they'd rather have two episodes. Um, so we're, we're going to try it. Right. And we'll uh, we'll release another story throughout the week where where we want y'all to ask us questions. Yeah, and we're going to um, answer the questions from this past one next time. Yeah, we, um, we'll we get into those on Thursday when you tune back in. And, of course, we'll let you know uh, when the next episode's released. Yeah, so. just keep an eye out on the Instagram for updates and everything. Um, and thank you for listening. We'll, hopefully you'll be listening to both episodes this week. Absolutely. Bye, y'all.